Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This will be for section 95. I'll read the heading first. Revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet at Kirtland, Ohio, June the 1st, 1833. This revelation is a continuation of divine directions to build a house for worship and instruction, the house of the Lord. See also section 88. Alrighty, let me just read you a little background on this one. The uh, commandment to build a temple was first given in December 1832. The prophet Joseph Smith reported that when Doctrine and Covenants 95 was given, great preparations were making to commence a house of the Lord, but the church was poor and the work lagged. On the 1st of June 1833, the Temple Committee, composed of Hiram Smith, Reynolds Cahoon, and Jared Carter, sent a circular to all the members encouraging them to assist spiritually and temporally in building the temple. On the same day, the prophet Joseph Smith received section 95 in which the Lord reproved the saints for neglecting the commandment to build a temple. Verse 1, Verily thus saith the Lord unto you whom I love, and whom I love I also chasten, that their sins may be forgiven, for with the chastisement I prepare a way for their deliverance in all things, out of temptation, and I have loved you. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth, therefore despise not the chastening of the Almighty. That was uh, in Job. Spencer Kimball said, We are concerned that too many times the interviewing leader in his personal sympathies for the transgressor, and in his love perhaps for the family of the transgressor, is inclined to waive the discipline which that transgressor demands. Too often a transgressor is forgiven and all penalties waived when that person should have been disfellowshipped or excommunicated. Too often a sinner is disfellowshipped when he or she should have been excommunicated. Do you remember what was said by by the prophet Alma? Now he said, repentance could not come unto men except there there were a punishment. Ponder on that for a moment. Have you realized that? There can be no forgiveness without real and total repentance, and there can be no repentance without punishment. This is, an, this is as eternal as is the soul. Please remember these things when somebody comes before you who has broken the laws of God. It is so easy to let our sympathies carry us out of proportion, and when a man has committed sin, he must suffer. It's an absolute requirement, not by the bishop, but it's a requirement by nature and by the very part of a man. Brigham Young said, At times I may to many of the brethren appear to be severe. I sometimes chasten them, but it is because I wish them to so live that the power of God, like a flame of fire, will dwell within them and be round about them. These are my feelings and desires. Leon G. Utten and and C. Max Caldwell explained, We learn from this revelation that when the chastisement ceases, the chastiser is responsible to show the one who has erred how to proceed to correct his mistake. It is one thing to tell a person that he is wrong. It is quite another to show him how to do things right. When the saints failed to begin to build the Kirtland Temple, the Lord not only chastised them for their failure, but he also revealed to them how to proceed in the accomplishment of their assigned task. Verse 2, Wherefore ye must needs be chastened and stand rebuked before my face, for ye have sinned against me, a very grievous sin, in which ye have not considered the great commandment in all things that I have given unto you concerning the building of mine house. It had been six months since the revelation to build a temple, and nothing had happened. After this revelation they hastened the building of the Kirtland Temple. Verse 4, For the preparation wherewith I design 
to prepare mine apostles. Apostles, as used in this text, has reference to those who go forth at the direction of the, of the Lord to testify <clears throat> to his, of his restored gospel. It does not refer to the office of apostle, which had not yet been restored. It was in the Kirtland Temple that the elders were instructed in the principles of the gospel and endowed with the power of God. Both experiences were fundamental to their preparation to represent the Lord. That was by Joseph Fielding McConkie. Continuing verse 4, to prune my vineyard for the last time, that I may bring to pass my strange act, that I may pour out my spirit upon all flesh. In talking about the pruning the vineyard, um, that has to do with uh, Zenus's allegory of the olive tree in Jacob chapter 5. The language is that of Isaiah when it mentions strange act in the verse. For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim. He, he shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Now therefore be ye not mockers, lest your bands be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a consumption even determined upon the whole earth. It was, it was quoted by Moroni to Joseph Smith on, on their first meeting. The idea that it conveys is that the gospel will appear strange, and the things the Lord does or has his people do will appear as a strange act to those so given up to the things of the world that they have lost all spiritual discernment or sensitivity. That was by Joseph Fielding McConkie. That I, that I may pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Verse 5, But behold, I say unto you that there are many who have been ordained among you, whom I have called, but few of them are chosen. Remember Elder Bednar's talk that we do the choosing they who are not chosen have sinned a very grievous sin, and that they are walking in darkness at noonday. And for this cause I gave unto you a commandment that you should call your solemn assembly, that your fastings and your mourning might come up unto the ears into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. <clears throat> the word the Hebrew word meaning of Sabaoth is literally hosts. Often the word is used in conjunction with hosts of soldiers organized for war. Bible scholars explain that since the realms of earth and heaven were closely related in ancient thought, it was believed that the same kind of organized military array was found in the heavenly sphere. This text expands our understanding of those who marched in the heavenly army. It describes the Lord of Sabaoth as the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end. In earlier revelations, Christ is referred to as the great I Am, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the same which looked upon the wide expanse of eternity and all the seraphic hosts of heaven before the world was made. Again, we are told to give ear to him who laid the foundation of the earth, who made the heavens and all the hosts thereof. We would understand the heavenly host to be the righteous spirit who had marched in the array or in the army of the Lord against Lucifer and his legions. Continuing verse uh, 7, which by interpretation, the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end. Verse 8, verily, yea, verily, I say unto you, I gave unto you a commandment that you should build a house in the which house I deign or I design to endow those whom I have chosen with power from on high. The Lord wanted to give his church leaders great blessings, but couldn't do so until the temple was completed. There are hundreds in Canada waiting for the servants of God to preach the gospel and convert them. There are tens of thousands in England waiting for these missionaries as well. The endowment spoken of here is not the same as the ceremony administered in later temples. Priesthood members in Kirtland did participate in a partial endowment, the full ordinance being reserved for a future performance when a temple designed for, for ordinance work itself should be built, and that was the Nauvoo Temple. That was by Elder McConkie. <clears throat> the first complete endowment in this dispensation was given by Joseph Smith in Nauvoo in the 4th of May, 1842. The endowment received in Kirtland included washings and anointings, as well as the washing of feet for official priesthood brethren, 
The Lord also poured out his spirit, or in other words, endowed them with spiritual power, and many received revelations or other gifts. Verse 9, For this is the promise of the Father unto you, therefore I command you to tarry even as mine apostles at Jerusalem. Nevertheless, my servants sinned a very grievous sin, and contentions arose in the school of the prophets, which was very grievous unto me, saith your Lord. Therefore I sent them forth to be chastened. The school of the prophets was held over the Newell K. Whitney store in Kirtland. Verse 11, Verily I say unto you, it is my will that you should build a house. If you keep my commandments, you shall have power to build it. If you keep not my commandments, the love of the Father shall not continue with you. Therefore you shall walk in darkness. Now here is wisdom in the mind of the Lord. Let the house be built, not after the manner of the world, for I give not unto you that ye shall live after the manner of the world. The building of the temple is a pattern of how families should be built in faith and obedience. And as we think about that uh, the temple is being built after the pattern of the Lord, that our lives should also be built after the pattern of the Lord, that we should let the Lord direct our, our actions, which is better than what we can do ourselves. Verse 14, Therefore, let it be built after the manner which I shall show unto three of you, Joseph Smith, Sidney Rigdon, and Frederick G. Williams, whom ye shall appoint and ordain unto this power. In fulfillment of the Lord's promise, the first presidency were shown in vision the temple they had been commanded to build. Concerning the construction, Truman O. Angel, an early convert to the church, recorded in his journal, about this time, Frederick G. Williams, one of President Smith's counselors, came into the temple when the following dialogue took place in my presence. Carpenter Rolf said, Doctor, what do you think of the house? He answered, It looks to me like the pattern precisely. He then related the following. Joseph received the word of the Lord for him to take his two counselors, Frederick G. Williams and Sidney Rigdon, and come before the Lord, and he would show them the plan or model of the house to be built. We went upon our knees, called on the Lord, and the building, Kirtland Temple, appeared within viewing distance. I being the first to discover it, then all of us viewed it together. After we had taken a look at the exterior... The building seemed to come right over us and make up of this hall seemed to coincide with what I saw in to in minutia. The prophet Joseph <clears throat> Smith's mother, Lucy Mack Smith, wrote regarding a council meeting held to discuss the building of the house of the Lord in Kirtland. In this council, Joseph requested each of the brethren to rise and give his views, and when they were through, he would give his opinion concerning the matter. They all spoke. Some thought it would be better to build a frame house, Others that a frame house was too costly, and the majority concluded upon putting up a log house and made their calculations about what they could do towards building it. Joseph rose and reminded them that they were not making a house for themselves or any other man, but a house for God. And shall we, brethren, build a house for our God of logs? No, I have a better plan than that. I have the plan of the, of the house of the Lord given by himself. You will see this you will see by this the difference between our calculations and his ideas of things. He then gave them the full plan of the house of the Lord in, of, at Kirtland. Verse fifteen, and the size thereof shall be fifty and five feet in width, and let it be sixty five feet in length in the inner court thereof. The temple at Kirtland was mainly a house of worship. Ordinances such as endowments, ceilings, baptisms, and other vicarious work for the dead were not revealed until the saints were commanded to build a house in Nauvoo, Illinois. In addition, the Kirtland Temple was built that the keys for performing these ordinances might be restored. The physical layout of the temple met the purpose for which it was built. The lower part of the Lord's house in Kirtland, or the main floor, was used for church services similar to the chapels in church buildings today. Congregations met to worship and partake of the sacrament. The congregational seating of the building followed the custom of the day, which included enclosed pews. 
The benches in the pews were movable, allowing the congregation to sit facing either direction. The distinction that separates this building apart from other church meeting houses is the three tiers of pulpits at each end of the inner court, each row set a little higher than the previous one. In addition, the pulpits had three seats behind an enclosed breastwork, which, with a fourth row of, on ground level behind a hinged table that extended when lifted and upon which the emblems of the sacrament were placed. The west pulpits were designated for the presiding officers of the higher or Melchizedek priesthood. Those on the east were for the presidencies of the lesser or Aaronic priesthood. The breastwork of the pulpits at each end had lettering that designated the proper seating for the various offices. The second floor had pulpits at each end similar to those on the main floor. This was a, a visible designation that the activities of the school held there were under the direction of the priesthood. It was unusual for the Times to have a school as part of a church building. This floor served a missionary training center at which secular as well as religious instruction was offered. The third floor was in the attic of the building. It was divided into five rooms, which were utilized as offices for the presiding quorums and officers. That was by Joseph Ely McConkie. Verse 16, And let the lower part of the inner court be dedicated unto me for your sacrament offering, and for your preaching, and your fasting, and your praying, and the offering up of your most holy desires for... Unto me, saith your Lord. Orson Pratt explained, By and by we will have temples with a great many things contained in them which we now have not. For with them, as with all other things, the Lord begins little by little. He does not reveal everything all at once. He gave the pattern of these things in Kirtland, Ohio, as the beginning. But there were not rooms for the washings, no rooms such as we have now, and such as we, as were prepared in the Nauvoo Temple, and in other respects. There was something added to the Nauvoo Temple. Why? Because we had greater experience and, and were prepared for greater things. There was no font in the, uh, in the basement story of the Kirtland Temple for baptismal purposes in behalf of the dead. Why not? Because that principle was not revealed. But in the Nauvoo Temple, this font was prepared, which was something in advance of the Kirtland Temple. We have of late constructed a temple at St. George. Blessings have been administered in that temple that were totally unknown in the two former temples, namely endowments for the dead. Again, by and by, we build a temple in Jackson County, Missouri, Will it be built according to the pattern of our present temples? No, there will be according to the progress of this people and the knowledge they receive and the greatness of the work that is before them. Many things pertaining to the pattern that will then be given, which will differ materially or will be at least in addition to that which is in these temples now built. I think if you will go and search in the church historian's office, you will find a plan of a temple that is to be built in Jackson County, which will be very different from the little temples we now build. That would be interesting to have a copy of that, wouldn't it? Uh, maybe somebody that knows somebody at church headquarters can go look that up for us and uh, post it. <laughs> Just kidding. Verse 17, Let the higher part of the inner court be dedicated unto me for the school of mine apostles, saith son Amon. Or in other words, Alphas, or in other words, Omegas, even Jesus Christ your Lord. Amen. Son Amon. This is the name of Jesus Christ in the pure language given to Adam. Orson Pratt stated, there is one revelation that this people are not generally acquainted with. I think it has never been published, but probably it will be in the church history. It is given in questions and answers. The first question is, what is the name of God in the pure language? The answer says, Amen. What is the name of the Son of God? Answer, Son Amen. Elder McConkie explained, in the pure language spoken by Adam and which will be spoken again during the millennial era, the name of God, the Father, is Amon, or possibly Amon, a name title having a meaning identical with, or at least very closely akin to, man of holiness. God revealed himself to Adam by this name to signify that he is a holy man, a truth which man must now 
which, which man must know and comprehend if he is to become like God and inherit exaltation. Since Amun is the name of God the Father in the pure language spoken by Adam, Son Amun is the name of his only begotten Son. And again, that was by Bruce Armaconkey. I bear testimony that these things are true and that as we uh, study the, the scriptures that we can get a better understanding, and especially here as we discuss the buildings of the temple and the importance of building temples in this dispensation. Uh, we've got uh, at least over 200 uh, either operating or in plans right now, and uh, there will be much, much more, um, and especially during the millennium, there will be thousands of temples built. I bear testimony that these things are true and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.